0: Get me from Studio A in Arcata behind the redwood red curtain, curtain. It's time for Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast featuring snippets from comedy soundcast and also interviews with comedians, comedian soundcasters, and other showbiz folk. And now, here's this episode's host from up the coast, the man who puts the X in Xbox and the tie on antisocial, comedy soundcast soundcaster, Tyson
1: Saner. Saner. In, in. 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 in.
2: I did not know he wrote this song. I knew he recorded it, but I didn't know that he wrote it. And it's Simon Smith and the Amazing Dancing Bear.
3: Okay, folks. Uh, take Pause us for a minute and, and listen to Simon Smith. This is, okay. this is off of the album Sail Away. And once you've done that, we will be right back here waiting for you. Next
4: time they record a real Randy episode in front of a studio audience, there's one song I'll remember.
1: What's that? I'll be home!
3: <laughs> okay, so it's interesting that, that you knew the song but didn't know that he wrote this because this has been covered a ton. Yeah. Well, um,
2: I, I discovered it. I didn't even know it was anything but a Muppet song. It was on the very first mu- episode of The Muppet Show, which what? ironically... Has just like been resurrected by Disney Plus. (laughs) Muppet fans never thought we'd ever see the light of day of any of these episodes because they started releasing some of them on DVD. Like I
3: don't know, the music rights were just yeah. yeah. It's totally understandable, but we're just like, there's no way. Okay, now (laughs) I I, I've been watching on Disney Plus. Is Disney Plus airing them out of order? Because I didn't see this on the first one. The first one they showed was Rita Moreno. Right. Is that not truly episode one? Well,
2: the first time that they so they they filmed them in in the UK, they filmed in London, and then their air dates were different than when how, how they aired them here, and the air dates even vary between states sometimes, New York to Chicago and different things. So huh. the first episode that was the original that they filmed, uh, I believe, had that on it. But uh, did you say it was Connie Stevens or the first one that you? Rita Moreno. Rita Moreno. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was either Connie Stevens or uh, I can't. I should know this. I should know this. <laughs> I, I can't remember. What is that? But uh, but but, Scooter. What kind of? It was in the first season, either way. Okay. And Scooter, the little psychic gopher, is going to sing Simon Smith and his amazing dancing dog or something. But the dog didn't show up, so Foggy joins him and is sing. <laughs> and so because of that, I. Just like everything, I didn't know Weird Al was singing parodies of real songs. I thought these were just Weird Al songs. And later on, <laughs> it was such a day, like, what's Nirvana? No, I knew. <laughs> There's something that my parents were like, well, yeah, that's my Sharona, you know. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but uh, I did not know that it was original. But they would do a lot of old songs, like Lydia the Tattooed Lady, or, right, or Train Tomorrow, and- yeah. yeah. And they do, yeah, oh yeah, that's great. Um, But then, and they do some current stuff too, I knew, but Simon Smith seemed like such a weird thing. But to have Randy Newman, not only, I had a recording of him singing it, and I was like, oh, that's a a cool thing. And I saw a lot of people covered it, but I didn't know he wrote it. And uh, that was, and then I was reading a little bit how he said once he wrote that song, he was like, he threw like conventional writing out the window and he was like, I'm going to write about different things. And it was just kind of portal from, Anyway, the the one quote that I read, I'm sure you're an expert on this, but from the not on of, Simon uh,
3: Smith. I am a blank slate on Simon Smith. I don't understand this song at all. So give me everything you got.
2: Well, I, I didn't. I, I just know the idea is a guy who's trying to make it, and I'm out here with my dancing bear, and it's amazing how well-fed people can be, and it's just uh, this idea of this guy that's just trying to make it in show business. I guess. Yeah. That's always perceived to me. And
3: I can't tell if he's a kid or yeah, or if like either way, he seems
2: imagining it. Or or if it's like yeah, I mean, I the reason I like it is I like the melody. I like the the walk down and it just builds up to this nice thing, and then it ends with this. I don't. I can't even describe. It gives me chills thinking about it. And it's the same way that Randy can do this with. I mean, stuff that people all love has acclaimed. Like, Boy, you got a friend of me has that same kind of walk. It's yeah. a different song, and the style, the melody might seem different, but he has these same kind of sets up of. Uh, it's letting you know we're going somewhere on this little roller coaster of notes. And Simon Smith had that too, like I never have tomorrow if I could fall a boat to where, <laughs> whatever the <laughs> lyrics are, and <laughs> it's. And it's that same kind of thing. And I was reading something once that there's a science behind the songs that can make you emotional. And that rainbow connection, uh, the Paul Williams classic and Kermit the Frog standard is one of those that if you look at it from a scientific uh, perspective, it could, it's manipulative because it goes minor and then it has this note in this chord that should not be there. And then it resolves. So in essence it's like playing peekaboo with a baby that doesn't understand you're going to come back. And whenever you hear Kermit saying, uh, uh, so we've been told and some choose to believe it, that t- starts to get yeah. a little bit different. And then he says, I know they're wrong, wait and see, that changes a little bit. And then he says, they will find it, the rainbow connection.
1: A lot of
3: tension in so, the sun there. Who
2: knows they're not supposed to be in our brain at that point. But then he goes, the lovers, the dreamers and me. And it's like, and it's all okay. And I mean, I get chills thinking about it right now. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I love that song. And Randy is so good. And I don't know that there's a science that they think about doing that. I feel like sometimes it's just an artist's way of just like hearing a melody and creating it. And I, I infuse a lot of that kind of stuff in the, some of my favorite stuff that I get to play or even things I've written have those... those uh notes and those, the, the, that feeling of, of resolve and, and happiness. And uh, whether you're playing peekaboo with the audience to get an easy uh, affirmation out of them, then so be it. Cause I like how it sounds, it makes me feel good. And I know where it's going And my ADD and OCD-ness brain likes to know there's a happy ending. It has to be a happy ending. Yeah, but I love that song and I love to know that Randy did it. And I love that it was on that first season of the Muppet show. And uh, I've been listening to that since I was a kid and I had no idea
5: Right? Let's get into it, okay? I did some okay. research, okay? This is our little okay, research seg- segment of the podcast, okay? okay. okay so here's some fun facts y'all need to know about Video Kill the Radio Star by The Buggles. Here's the mm-hmm. thing. This was the, the very first music video that premiered on MTV. Oh, wow. I, on, I didn't know that. Yep. It premiered on 1201 AM on August 1981 when Music television first premiered. So, this is. And that's the how you enter the workroom. That's how you enter the workroom. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. It's not only the first, it's also the millionth video played on MTV, which I thought was really oh, sweet. Wow. It's a nice touch. Yeah. Um, the that's music sweet video of was them. directed by Russell. It's really nice. Thank you for, for giving them that shot again. They made it to the All Star season. Thank God. <laughs> directed. This music video was directed by Russell Mulcahy. And the mm-hmm. budget of this music video was $50,000. Can you
6: imagine oh shooting God. anything on that budget? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That's so, fucking crazy.
5: The song was written and recorded in 1978 for the Buggles uh, album called English Garden. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't know much about the Buggles. This is the only Buggles song I know. So um, if you if you if anyone is a Buggles fan, tell me if they're worth a listen. Uh, okay. This song is based off of a J.G. Ballard short story, The Sound Sweep, which is about a mute boy vacuuming, vacuuming up stray music in a world where music doesn't exist anymore. OK, talk about post apocalyptic Wow,
6: that is a post-apocalyptic (laughs) tour. I mean, what? (laughs) That's crazy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Wait, mm -hmm. that's... Okay, wait, there's like a lot of history here because I have to admit, I'm remembering now the tubes. When I saw that, originally I contributed to videos... Videos get to be fucking crazy. Like, yeah. videos just get to be crazy, and they don't always have to make sense. So that's going to be a fun thing to make fun of in this oh, uh, yeah. journey. Oh, yeah.
5: And, Mano, I will be asking you what the premise of this music video is after we watch it. <laughs> okay. Um, also, just a little fun fact, mm-hmm. like, legendary composer Hans Zimmer is in this music video playing the keyboard. Wow. So. Wow, wow, wow. And also, apparently... There's a take where the a tube falls.
6: <laughs> Shut up. Is it ha- in the video? I don't
5: remember watching it but keep your eyes peeled for a tube falling. Oh my right? god. So, so we'll see. We'll okay. see.
1: Okay.
6: Okay. So that's
5: it. I mean, other than that, I'm I'm ready to watch this music video. Wow. You ready?
6: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have to see- we're going to say night as close as possible. Keep we're going to keep our volume lower so it's not like all right. over the score. Right, right, right. Um right. And obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, you can watch along with us. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be one of the boxes above us, and uh, so I, we hope you have fun. Um, okay, we're gonna do like three, two, one, work.
5: Yes, I like that. And on work, okay. we pr- we press click. Correct. Okay. Correct.
6: Good. Okay. Let's you're get ready? into it. Uh huh. Three, three,
5: two, one, work.
6: We're in. We're in. We're, we're in, in. We're okay, in. We're getting okay.
5: commercial. We got a commercial.
6: Oh, you cunt. You have a commercial? I do. Now what? Yours
5: just started right away. Just Mine okay. just started. Okay, let's start at zero, 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 zero. We'll go on okay. back, zero, this zero. Okay, this is zero. part of the journey. This is part okay, of ready? it. This is
6: part of it. Okay, ready? Okay. Three, three, two, two one. What? Work. Okay, now okay, we're here getting we go. here we go. our gorgeous little moon. I'm, get, okay. or I'm seeing a spotlight of some kind. Okay, but I like
5: that you think that it's a moon because, you know, it shows that you're artistic.
6: That's a big part of it.
5: Get into this homemade mood.
6: I mean, oh, Punky Brewster.
1: Okay.
6: <laughs> oh. Uh-huh. I mean, this is art already. You're into it?
5: Listen, music video. This is the very first one, okay?
6: Yeah, and in case you're not watching, we see this very int this the lead singer in a sort of a black and white. Transposed fantasy, mm-hmm. as a girl plays an illuminating radio.
5: Yes, old school cl- radio too. This ain't no '80s radio. This is like a '40s radio, and yes. that just it
6: just exploded. And, uh, and also, uh, like
5: a uh, 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 ocean moon is there too. She's unfazed. And
6: what? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay.
5: Okay. So she just
6: became, like, a mermaid woman, it seems.
5: A
1: um,
0: you oh. Cherished friend Bill Hayward here with a special edition of Trouser from Henderson's Pants in honor of the 200th episode of Sucketash. It's their Bicentennial Pants. And yes, these have been repurposed from a forgotten warehouse full of American Bicentennial Pants from 1976 when the United States was celebrating their 200th birthday. Oh, it's the perfect opportunity for old man Henderson to recoup the company's losses from way back then you and celebrate this milestone episode of the world's only comedy soundcast soundcast. Men and women both can show up at your neighborhood succotash listening party decked out in a pair of these spiffy unisex red, white, and blue striped Liberty Bell bottom denim beauties to honor the show the faces of host Tyson Sainer, engineer producer Joe Paulino, executive producer Mark Hershon, and even me, yours truly, Bill Haywat, have been heat-trained transferred onto the buttock region of every pair originally designed for Gerald Ford the color guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier and Elton John Henderson's bicentennial pants are available for as long as suckatash keeps dropping those episodes that's henderson's makers of mediocre menswear especially the bottom parts since 2011 and now back to suckotash and now back to suckotash and now back to Succotash. Succotash. I've got this, Joe. I can get this right. Now back to Succotash.
7: I'm going to stay with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger for a second. I remember actually Arnold back in when I was, was, whoa, we're talking about 1985. Mm -hmm. He would just, you know, been, he'd just come out with Conan the Barbarian and I was in Las Vegas doing an event. I can't remember what it was I was doing. I was doing some choreography event at the time and uh, I remember seeing him and he's beginning to become, you know, the Arnold that we all know. Um, You know, today is a totally different thing and, and everybody makes fun of the man. But yes, you're right the work ethic he has to have to, to accomplish anything he does. I mean, as a bodybuilder, you have to have extremely amount of uh, uh, discipline to be yes. able to achieve that. Does he put the same type of discipline into his action sequences and into the, 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 the stuff that he does on set?
4: Well, undoubtedly, and it's interesting you, you harking back to his bodybuilding career, because remember, he got into that before there was really any money doing it. And it was kind of considered, you know, he ran into a lot of opposition when he tried to get into movies because people thought he was too big. And he got jobs like Hercules in New York, and he was considered a joke. And the only thing that kind of broke him was when, actually, oddly enough, my old boss at Warner Brothers, John Milius, decided to bank on him for Conan the Barbarian. If that had not happened, who knows if Arnold Schwarzenegger, the acting machine, would have happened. But as it happened, fate-wise, the opportunity for him to be a bodybuilder and have a name in that business and also to have the chops enough, and he also took some acting classes along the way. But to have the chops to play Conan the Barbarian was a tremendous break. So it's really, I think, what's interesting. I mean, the one thing I'll say about Arnold, Adrian, and you're a lot like this too, is we would have a whole day of production or work or whatever our responsibilities were, and then you'd go to the Warner Brothers Fitness Center and Arnold would show up without an entourage and just start working out with you and whether he knew you or not. And he would just start talking to you. And if you were struggling to lift a dumbbell, he would spot you. You know, he was that kind of a guy. He was that into like, you're going to improve. You're going to improve by lifting. You're going to lift more. You can lift more now. You know, <laughs> you <live more> now! <laughs> yeah, it was just so inspiring. You know, you couldn't help but be like this guy, get a load of this guy. Like he had already done it and he was still into it and still wanted to see other people improve. And he would always joke with us be like, when I come back here tomorrow, I want you guys to see I want to see you guys five pounds lighter you
7: know yeah, it's just funny you mentioned about that because we we uh I worked with a gentleman called Alexander Nevsky who's been on our show before on our Peace from Radio show who is the bodybuilder in Russia and he was a tall skinny guy and Arnold Schwarzenegger was his uh, idol and uh, he said you know the same thing applied bodybuilding in Russia didn't exist it just didn't exist back in yeah. the 80s and, and that time. And, and it was really people that uh, started creating the action genre and the bodybuilding genre and those things that people could look up to that inspired young kids at the time. What do you think it is today that inspires kids? Um, you know, do you think it's some guy that can scale the walls? Because today the the bodybuilders of today and now the the free runners of what we see today and the, and the guys that can do all the tricks and the snowboards and all that stuff is a little bit different.
4: Yeah, it's different for sure. I mean, the people that apply themselves obviously see the light and day and they have the breakthroughs required to get where they want to go. You know, thinking back to Arnold and his days doing the Pumping Iron documentary, which a lot of that I think was actually in one form or another scripted. I think that's been revealed now. But to see how hard he worked when there was really no red carpet at the end of the line, like no one said, if you're going to be a bodybuilder, Arnold, you can get into movies and you can make all this money. Like That was just the next step he was able to manufacture for himself. I think today, like, kids have, you know, so many other possibilities, like breakthroughs through social media, YouTube and stuff. You know, I don't know what inspires them. I mean, I only know what inspires my own kid, which is trying to be a better human being, which is kind of nice in today's day and age. But it's interesting. I don't know. You know, Arnold told a very interesting story about his days in the Austrian army.
7: Did you have to join the army when you were in England? No, we didn't have uh, mandatory... Uh, uh, no training.
4: compulsion? No, no, yeah, no. Well. He had to join the army, you know, and he tells a very interesting story. He told it on ESPN where he want, he was inspired by Steve Reeves, who, by the way, is it's Steve Reeves' birthday today. Like he was born in 1923 and he passed away, but Steve Reeves is kind of like the original Mr. Olympia. And um, so Arnold's inspired by Reeves and he decides he's going to start working out. And there's no real, there's not even any weight equipment. Like there's no way to do it. It's like push ups <laughs> and lifting tank parts, right? But he decides he's going to join a competition, like a competition where there's not even a prize money. You probably get a, you know, a pack, a six pack of like Austrian Bavarian beer for winning. And he has to sneak off the base to do it. Have you heard this story? No, I haven't. Well, this is a great story for anyone listening about motivation. So he speaks, he sneaks off the base and goes AWOL. He has to jump a train and go into like another town across the border from Austria he doesn't even have shorts because he doesn't know anything about it. So he checks in. He has no shorts. He has to borrow another competitor's shorts for the stage. And they're all, as he says, pretty grimy. He throws them on. He wins the competition, comes back, and gets snagged by the MPs. They catch him for basically desertion, right? He gets brought before the brass in his outfit on the base. And they're, they're ready to throw the book at him. like He's looking at like hard labor for desertion. And he instead, and they start mocking him, like, why did you leave? What was so important to throw your life into the brig, basically? And he says, well, I went to this competition and like this weightlifting competition. And they all kind of stopped, like they weren't sure what it was, the commanders. And he explains it. And they ask, did you win? And he goes, well, yes, I did win. And then Arnold immediately gives them all the credit. He says, it was because of your teaching and your discipline and discipline. The exercises and calisthenics you made me do that I want, and he transforms it into all this thing. So they punish him by putting him in the kitchen patrol, KP, you know. And he starts where he can get an extra steak and stuff. And he, and then they, they have like the base welders weld like a workout kit for him that they throw on a tank so they can take it on maneuvers. And like because he gives the base all the credit, he kind of becomes like this driving force for the base, you know, like a marketing key. You know, like oh Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's our guy. He won this contest in like you know the Hofsprow of such and such. Anyway, it's just an amazing story about how he was so driven. Like he breaks, you know, he'll tell you all the time: break the rule, don't break the law, but be prepared to break the rules. And yeah, you know, you he's, know that, he's a guy that just went for it.
7: I, th- I think this it, it, today. There's everybody believes it's an easy road to to, oh. to success. You know, what I mean. Yeah.
0: You've been listening to Soccer Tash, the comedy soundcast, Soundcast, with your host, Tyson Sainer. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and imagine your company's name right here. Rate us and review us at Apple and Google Podcasts. Find us on the web at Show.com, on Stitcher, on iHeartRadio on YouTube, on SoundCloud, and wherever fine Soundcasts on, on streamed and or downloaded. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Show. like us on Facebook, email us at T-Y-S-O-N at SuckatashShow.com or Call into the Succotash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. The
1: number
0: again is 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at itale.com slash u slash Succotash. Succotash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio Peace Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershaw. And Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Dirges. Sucketash is executive produced by Mark Hershon. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Sucketash
1: goodbye.